I see the comments have already started cranking out on the side over there on YouTube. Hey, everybody, it's Wednesday night. It's the Longhorn live stream. My name is Ray Peters, and I'm your Wednesday night host for this uh, extravaganza. And we got our two usual superstar guests. We got Rod Babers, who's a uh, lifetime Longhorn, great DB for the Horns back in the <laughs> late 90s, early 2000s. Had some time in the league, did a great job, and uh, he does a great job in the Austin media. We'll talk about that in a second. We'll give Rod a chance to tell us where he broadcasts uh, weekdays. And then uh, Justin Wells on the upper right corner there. He's a uh, Longhorn insider on the Texas football team. Also is a uh, guy who follows recruiting like uh, just about no one else in the state. So he knows uh, the ins and outs of uh, the youngsters and uh, where they're going to be headed. And we like the good ones to be headed to Texas, don't we? So uh, again, Longhorn live stream. We're glad you're with us on a Wednesday night. Make sure you give us a, a super chat. We'll get your uh, question at the top of the line over there give us a, a thumbs up tell us you like us subscribe please we have what more than twenty-seven thousand folks now on the channel who are subscribers so uh, we're incredibly uh happy with that and very grateful as well uh matthew is our producer and matthew uh let's just get started with e kim's comment at 552 and let's get this one to justin because it deals with recruiting and so uh, justin uh, any surprise visitors for the Tech game, which, of course, is Friday night at 6.30 at DKR. And they uh, also offers uh, E. Kim. He's a frequent flyer on the uh, chats here. We're very happy to have E. Kim join us uh, just about every night and uh, every morning on coffee and football as well. He says, happy Thanksgiving and go Texas. So, Justin, what can you tell us about uh, that and any other recruiting updates you want to give us now? Yeah, I can tell you uh, right now, not to our to, to our knowledge, not to my knowledge. That are there any surprise visitors? That doesn't mean somebody wouldn't pop in in, in a couple of days, twenty in forty eight hours. But a lot of times, this is not the most ideal recruiting weekend to begin with. Being the holidays, being you know, there's so much other stuff kind of kind of moving parts going around. I can tell you who is going to be there. Uh, commits Ryan Wingo is going to be in town tomorrow mm -hmm. afternoon. Uh, as well, Jarrett Gibson out of the IMG Academy, he's going to be there as well. Max Granville, that's a 2025 prospect, big-time guy. Uh, he's going to be on campus. Xavier Akpuno, defensive end out of uh, Denton Geyer, he's going to be on campus as well. A uh, handful of other guys, we've got a list, but we're, we're going up with it inside Texas. But right now, um, I, I think surprise visitors, I wouldn't think of any any big ones right now just simply because of, of the – you know, the Thanksgiving holiday is just kind of a difficult. Yeah. It's not really a weekend. You can really build, do stuff like that. Uh, I know Ty Anthony Smith was, was scheduled to come. The, the Texas A&M commit out of Jasper. I actually went and saw him play uh, against Kobe Black, uh, the, the Waco Conley cornerback in the playoffs last Friday. Uh, Ty Anthony was scheduled to come. He's he's canceled that. They're going to reschedule that. I think they're going to look at something like December 8th, 9th and 10th, something within that window. Uh, they're trying to get that in. Ty Anthony's really watching. He's really watching the, the A&M hire. I, I honestly think – he wants to either fall in love with Texas or he wants to figure out who the next coach at A&M is and stick with him. Uh, he, he's kind of straightforward, and, he, and he's a great linebacker, sideline to sideline. Kobe Black is announcing on November 29th. This is a decision that's been a long time in the making. He's been recruited over two years. Uh, I like Texas there right now, but you know anything can happen, especially in recruiting. But the Horns have done the best job to this point, so I think you have to tip your cap. But most people want to know about Xavier Filsam. That's the, the safety out of McKinney. Uh, listen, he's a five-star for a reason, and, and he's a guy that, you know, I've, I've mentioned a few times, you know, Texas was late to, to, to the gathering 
on this one. But but at least they showed up to the party and, and now they're making their presence. And the more Texas wins, people can complain about, well, they lost a lead in the second half or they didn't look good in a, in a win over UH. But the wins basically stack up, and that's what kids are going to see big picture. And the potential for this team to play three more games this year matters. There, that's just that many more opportunities to play on the big stage to win these kids over. And so, a you know, like an Xavier Phil Sum, he's back on campus yesterday, as we reported at Inside Texas last night. He showed up for an unofficial visit. Uh, now they're looking at a, a potential official visit to come in and, and see him as well. They've already flipped Wardell Mack from that Florida class. Now they're trying to go for the McKinney safety as well. And this is a kid that would come in and probably play immediately. Derek Williams is going to start at one of the safety positions in 2024. I would stake my life on it. The other spot's going to be more open. I think you're going to see a lot of stuff happen in the offseason there to, to see where that fixture goes. But for your recruiting breakdown there, Phil Sum, I saved that best one for last because that one to me is, is the most important. I think Texas can finish with about three or four more guys, and it looks like the secondary is still the primary mm-hmm. going into we're almost in December. Yeah. Yep. Hey. Justin, thank you. Now you already mentioned Inside Texas a couple times. Hey, Matthew, if we're still offering the uh, two month for a dollar deal, uh, can you put that graphic up for me if that's possible? Thank you. Yeah. Looks like we're still doing it. Love to see this. And uh, Justin uh, writes uh, many articles per day and per week over at Inside Texas, which is uh, the the best uh, Texas uh, website for inside information on the uh, Texas athletic program. I was about to say football, but We've, you know, basketball season's going, and Jerry Hamilton uh, and Joe Cook, those guys are, you know, got their nose in the, everybody's business over there on the basketball side of things, and Rodney Terry, and I'm sure Justin does a little bit of that as well, everybody probably. But Inside Texas is the associated website with our uh, YouTube channel here and the podcast. And if you just uh, go there and sign up, uh, the two-month uh, monthly offer for a dollar is still available with this promo code, OT, which is uh, OTF on Texas football, then IT is inside Texas, and 23 is the year for another uh, six weeks or so, seven weeks. So that's your promo code to get you two months for just $1, and you can get a lot of that inside information Justin has already talked about. Our other guy on the uh, feed here, as you can see, is our Rod Babers. And uh, Rod, I'm going to start off with you, if you don't mind letting people know where they can hear you in the mornings in Austin. And then I have a super chat for you talking about culture. So please introduce yourself, if you don't mind. I know a lot of the folks... uh, Know you extremely well, but I always like to make sure they know how to hear you weekday mornings uh, in Austin. And then we'll talk about the culture super chat next. Yeah, thanks, Ray. I appreciate that. Uh, you can hear me on the horn, uh, 6 to 11 a.m. weekdays. Uh, that is uh, 1019 and AM 1260 on terrestrial radio, but you can download the horn app or go to hornfm.com uh, and you can hear it right there, 6 to 11 a.m. Um, every weekday. So, Matthew, let's look at that super chat now, if you don't mind. I believe uh, it's from Daniel Kinneman, who is a uh, frequent uh, super chatter. And, Daniel, we really appreciate you uh, participating uh, so much. As, Absolutely. As you do here. Uh, Coach Sarkeesian has mentioned culture. He, he literally does it twice a week on his news conferences. He yes. also does it post-game. <clears throat> Helps when you win, right? So he's mentioned culture. He's uh, looking at uh, who the culture guys are next year because clearly 2023, we've done a good job establishing a a winning culture so far. Look forward, if you will, to the uh, roster in uh, the 2024 season. Who do you think is coming back and who would be the guys that would be the ones leading the way when it turns in uh, terms of establishing their, or 
keeping the culture going with the Texas football program? What do you think, Rod? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a great question because a lot of these guys that established the culture that Sarks have been so complimentary of, they're expected to leave, right? A lot of these guys, right? He was complimentary of Jay Witt, talked about Jay Witt a lot. You know, Jay Witt's a guy that's been through it here at Texas, um, the highs and the lows. You know, he's a guy that's going to be gone. You know, he's been uh, really complimentary of guys like Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and Jalen Ford and guys who have established the culture on the defense side. Jaday Barron's another guy. Uh, those guys are expected to be gone too. Um, so, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, that culture that he talks about, you know, that is a, it's, a, it's about people. I once had a head coach in the NFL tell me he doesn't worry about culture. He said it's, it's something that's overstated. He thinks that it's something that's uh, a term that's a little overused. He said his definition of culture, he says everybody's got a different one. His definition of culture was about people. He said all he worries about is hiring the right people and making sure he's got the right people in this program, in his uh, organization, and then the culture takes care of itself. Um, I think Stark is a little bit more intentional and deliberate about the culture with Texas. I think you had to be because there was some toxicity with the culture at Texas previous before he got here. But I do think there is something about the people he brings with it into his program. He's really deliberate about that. Um, hell, Justin probably can talk about it a lot more than I can because it does start in recruiting. You know, they don't just recruit everybody, not all the mm-hmm. four stars, not all the five stars they can. Uh, they don't. They're really specific about the guys they go after, right, Justin? This they won't. Yeah. Have, won't that guy? Right? Mental evals Mental yeah. are big. Yeah. 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 Mental well, mental evals are are crucial to that process when it comes to culture, especially in the last two years. But it's not just the it's not just the high school recruits. I've known it even. I see it even more with the portal. Guys, yeah. they've been they've had opportunities to take a lot of different kids. They could have done a lot of damage into the portal, like a lot of programs did. But Sark was very judicious with how he picked and chose yeah. certain guys to plug into certain spots. And I think you see that's why these guys mesh so mm-hmm. well. Adnan Mitchell feels like he's been here two or three years. Like exactly. it's part of the it's mm-hmm. part of the culture, just getting into it. And then you added Jalen Catalan, who is an ultimate leadership you know, learn, learn by example type guy who, who's battled injuries year after year. That's more buy-in because he's still leading the charge, trying to, to help out in any way. To me, that's, it's just a combination of who you bring in, but also with those recruits and with those portal guys, because a lot of times the portal guys have an expectation of playing immediately. They have an expectation of starting and getting maybe an entitlement because they'd already played and they'd already been there and they, you know, they deserve this. At Texas, they, that, that doesn't work that way, and I think that's why everybody's pretty much like he's got the right temperament. Sark's just kind of cool. Yeah. Hot, no high, no low, just for the most part. Outside of, of getting the first down against Alabama, he's pretty cool. Great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Justin, thank you. Horny for mullets. Am I going to get in trouble for saying that name? But Horny <laughs> for mullets has a comment here. You and should, Justin, man. you might be the one to talk about this, although, Rod, you may have seen him on tape, uh, Xavier. Projected uh, now, Jerry Hamilton likes to talk about safety eyes all the time. I don't know, Justin, if you're a safety eyes guy or Rod, you are too. But why is he projected as a safety instead of a cornerback? He says at that age, it seems hard to put a player like that in such a small box. So why are we looking at a XF? See, I'm avoiding his last name. He, uh, he can probably do. He can probably do whatever he wants. Uh, I think he that's kind of the versatility that he brings. I think that's kind of what it is. 
I think it, he can play. He'll probably start at safety, but he has the potential to come down and, and play. I think he could play star. I think he can play. I think he would be really good at setting, you know, maybe even setting the edge there. Then I think he could also play corner. So that's kind of the the his athleticism. That's where you see the 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 allure, the five star status, because he can potentially be twitchy enough and and turn his you know no no stuff to to be able to do that. Now. You know, I, I'm not about safety eyes. I'm more about line eyes. I like the Eagles. I like the, the Urban Cowboys soundtrack. So I'm more of a, an Eagles line eyes kind of guy. But I will say this, you know, that's that's a position where, you know, Texas wanted to get more athletic in the secondary. They wanted to get better back there. When you brought some kid from Jurassic Park, Louisiana, named Derek Williams, he has shown that he can bring that. And he, again, is going to start next season. Who plays beside him? I think Philson fits that other safety spot where you have Wardell Mack at one of those corners and you've got Kobe Black potentially at one of the other corners. And then you've got Jordan Johnson Rubel playing some nickel like a Quandre Diggs. Same size, same mentality, same athleticism. All of a sudden, and these are all freshmen. And the, the guys playing in front of them are soft freshmen and sophomores and juniors. It's really starting to just build depth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking okay. of Kobe, one of the services put out a tweet last week or something. And they called him a safety, and Kobe's response was simply, "I'm a corner." A corner. And that was yeah. That was they the, keep doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that was the entire message. So uh, I, I like that. I would tell the young man though, just tell him you're a DB. Um, yeah. More and more, I I like guys. You're just a DB man because in the modern world of football. If I put you at corner, they're going to try to put you in a situation and manipulate the leverage where they can get a two-way go on you. And if you're a good enough corner, hell, they're going to ask you sometimes to play the slot anyway. If you're a nickel, nickel in the star position that Justin talked about, that's the toughest position to play, arguably, yes. in yes. modern football. You got to do everything. You're a linebacker one down, you're a safety one down, you're a corner one down. Sometimes you're all three of those in one down, all right, at the same damn time. Um, so honestly, I would take my my best players and kind of what uh, you know Justin is projecting uh, for Xavier Felsom. I I project him to be a nickel. I'd start out with those guys, and I'd want DBs. Coach Aquino was the best DB coach that I ever you know got a chance to work with. You know, he believed in five okay. DBs. Right, five two DBs. Look at all the DBs. Right, Quinn Jammer was a was a safety. Then they moved to corner. My man Amon Brooks was a, a corner. They moved to safety. Nathan Basher was a nickel, and then they moved to safety. Then they moved to corner. I mean, Michael Huff, same thing. That's you know, hell, my, he even told me Earl Thomas. He was thinking about Earl Thomas at nickel, and then he put him at safety, and then the you know he was amazing. Right. He was tremendous at safety. He figured, all right, no need to ever put him at nickel. But he was thinking about playing him at nickel and probably still could have played nickel because he was so instinctive. I think these days I just need a DB um, and I need a 5 tool DB. He is one of those guys. Um, but, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself if you're a young DB out there. Uh, look at look at Quandre Diggs. He never pigeonholed himself. Got moved from corner to nickel to safety now in the league. You don't pigeonhole yourself. Good points. I've only heard of one person who's ever liked UT parking, and it's this guy. He likes tight ends, too. UT parking <laughs> with the super chat. And he says, 12 personnel was fire against Iowa State. Sign me up for more. So, uh, hey, Gunnar Helm showed up. 
So he got the uh, nice, uh, you know, crossing uh, pattern there and uh, spun around, caught the pass on the money from Quinn, got in the end zone. And uh, he's had a couple of those. I know Oklahoma, he had a touchdown as well. So I'm uh, all for more tight end use. Rod, what do you see about uh, us using uh, more 12 personnel moving forward? Uh, thank you, T. Parkin. Yeah, I mean, Sark loves 12 personnel. I mean, Sark's on record saying tight end is the second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. Those are his words, not mine. Um, and usually he's going to be closer to, you know, between 35 and 40 percent of 12 personnel during the season. He has supplemented that lately with some of that big 12 package that's with that sixth offensive lineman out there. But in Sark's mind, he still considers that 12 personnel. So 11 personnel is his bread and butter. It's going to run that probably half the time. But after that, 12, and depending on how talented the tight end room is, and he loves this tight end room, you can tell, because he runs a ton of 12 personnel. When uh, Xavier Worthy got hurt in that game, they upped the 12 personnel a ton. When JT, uh, JT Sanders ended up getting hurt in the – what game was that? Uh, right before the Oklahoma game. He got hurt. Was it Kansas? Kansas. No, it was. I think it was the game before Kansas. The game before Kansas. Um, in that game, remember they used to start using the Big Twelve personnel package as a way to supplement that. But when he when he doesn't have his full complement of wide receivers, he likes he doesn't expand the rotation of wide receivers. He didn't just throw another wide receiver in there. No, he decides. No, I I I, I like my tight end group better than I like another tight another wide receiver on the field in eleven personnel. And you're right, both of those touchdowns in the second half came out of 12 personnel uh, for Texas versus Iowa state. The one with Gunnar Helm and that one with, uh, uh, with Jay Witt and they were brilliant designs. So Sark's a big fan of 12, man. He is. And Gunnar Helm's getting better. We don't talk enough about that because mm-hmm. we preoccupied with all the other great storylines for Texas, but Gunnar Helm is another guy that's gotten better. That's what I love about that Iowa state game though. I don't know if y'all, y'all ever seen the movie, the other guys, Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell. It's they're decent. Yeah. Company. Oh yeah. With, yeah, right. It's you're talking about the other guys? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. It's a pretty funny. If you haven't seen it, I'd recommend it. It's actually pretty funny. Um, but that's what this 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 um game was kind of about. It was kind of about the other guys, right? Not the frontline guys. The frontline guys, they did their thing, but Gunnar Helm was the one that stepped up for you. Jay Witt making a big play. Hell, CJ Baxter was the guy that stepped up for you on offense. It was kind of I think David Bender. Was one of the highest graded linebackers in the country. Was the highest rated linebacker last last week. Benda had a tremendous game. He knew exactly what was coming, but he he was able to have gap control. That was discipline. You know what? Without that fourth and one pop pass, Rod, that defense damn near pitched the shutout. Oh, no, I'm with you. Exactly. And it's give props to David Benda. This is a good matchup for Benda. That's why give props to PK for putting him in there. He's like, no, no, this is a Benda game. Bender game. <laughs> I just yeah. it's one of those games where I need to play more Bender. And he was right. And so, you know, those aren't your frontline guys. They're good players. And they, you know, obviously Texas needs all their complement of players. But this game, they seem to step up and play a much bigger role. And they were impact players in this game and not just complimentary role players in this game. So it was. It was an other guy's game. And I think that's why they were so happy about how it was a cultural win for them. You know, that they – you know, they, they could have other players step up. And I think Sark intentionally dialed up those plays for the, you know, the more the secondary tertiary players on mm-hmm. offense. The guys that Iowa State's not game planning for. They're game planning for X-Man, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders. You know, man, I, right? I schemed up something for Jay Witt. I schemed up something for Gunnar Helm. It was brilliant, man. Give Sark a lot of credit for that. Yeah. 
He's, you know, we've already mentioned the culture thing and you see it in the uh, Sarkeesian keeps mentioning this. So I've been looking for it. The first people to come out to Bird Auburn after he makes a field goal are uh, Adnai Mitchell yeah. and then Jalen Ford. And then um, it might have been Jay Wood. I'm not sure who it was. But, yeah, those guys are out the first ones to, to celebrate with with uh, Bird Auburn. So that's pretty uh, fun to see. You're not going to believe what Kyle S. did for us in the Super Chat. Let's put it up. Look at that. I've never seen Whoa. anything like that. Hey, Kyle. Wow. wow. Look at oh Matthew. Kyle made again. it rain. Wow. Hey, Matthew, can you do that again? I think Kyle deserves Whoa. another one of Absolutely. those. If that's possible. Kyle, man. Yeah. Bro. Wow. Kyle, that, thank you just, so much. He's made my holiday, Kyle. Happy Thanksgiving, bro. That's, yeah. that's very, very gracious so, of you. Very kind. Kyle Wright, giving you guys back pay for all the great content I've abused for free. Thanks for all you do. He loves the program's trajectory under Sart. Uh, Sart. Let's continue to take care of business and hook them. So, uh, wow, man, man, Kyle, Perfect, that baby. is pretty incredible. Thank that you, buddy. Is making it rain. Steve Rex is making it rain. Well, Daniel <laughs> Kenneman, Daniel Kenneman's gonna make it rain too, but five bucks at a time. So, Daniel, hey, that worked too, buddy. Hey, Thank thanks, you, man. Uh, so, Rod, I mean, we're speaking about the defensive backs. That was your world. So, does. Uh, Michael Taft remind you of uh, Blake Gideon. Oh, no. Fundamentally sound, maybe starts over people who would be considered more physically talented. Coach on the field. How many times uh, have we heard that? So what is, what's your opinion about what Daniel's uh, spitting out there? I don't think Blake Gideon, uh, underrated athletically, man. Blake Gideon in high school played damn – he's one of them Ironmen that played all these different positions, played like four or five different positions. He was a hell of a player. And I don't think he was a walk-on, was he? No, 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 okay. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, Blake Gideon was like, he was a he, scholarship guy. He could have gone to AM actually. He had an AM offer. Yeah, Blake Gideon actually was a hell of an athlete in high school. Like, I know that just from people telling me, like, he played multiple. Yes, exactly. And his dad was a coach, so football nope. IQ through the roof. Uh, for him now, the same thing with Taft. Taft's got high football IQ, but I don't know if it was on the par with Blake Gideon because Blake Gideon, like I said, he was a coach's son. Now, Taft, I'm sure, is plugged in, knows a lot of ball, and, and, and he is assignment sound. I'll say you about that, Daniel. You're right, he's assignment sound. Um, but I do, Blake, I think Blake Gideon was on a higher level. I there's a lot of Blake Gideon hatred out there among Longhorn fans. Let's address this, all right? Let's address Thank this you. right now. And it all comes from him dropping that interception in the Texas Tech game, and I get it, all right? I get it, okay. It, you know, it could it could be one of those opportunities where Texas could have you know played for a national title, and you a lot of local fans blame that one dropped interception. I dropped a lot of interceptions in my time. All right, I I caught ones, I caught the ones in the big games, but I dropped a lot of interceptions. Most of half my PBUs are dropped interceptions. But Lowen fans don't have the same vitriol, and they don't have the same um, kind of energy towards Earl Thomas. Or towards, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and you know, look, Earl Thomas was on on that last play to Michael Crabtree. He didn't right? make the Remember, tackle. It was, it was two of them. They double teamed him, right? They, they double teamed him. Uh, Drew, Ke Drew Kelston. Drew Kelston writes, I dropped one too. Hey, that's my man, Drew. <laughs> Drew, hey, Drew, you hey, Drew, Drew technically did not drop that because the ball, the ground cannot cause a fumble. He caught that ball, and when he hit the ground, that cannot force the fumble. So I think technically, Kelson should have been an interception. Carry on. Yeah. But my point, and Drew, remember this. I believe it was Curtis Brown was the corner over there. With Curtis, Curtis Brown. Brown was the one on Crabtree. 
Yes. And it was Earl came over and overplayed. Yes. But they essentially they were calling the double team on Crabtree because Crabtree was the guy. They, yeah. they were basically bracketing him. And they, they couldn't they couldn't push him out of bounds. They, they assumed he went out of bounds. They assumed he went out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And they were, listen, it, it, those are two really good players. Earl Thomas is going to be a Hall of Famer. And they just have – it happens, right? They're human. Bad play. Curtis Brown played the league fans, three or four years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Roland fans don't have – they don't – why don't they bring the same energy to those guys who also had a bad play in that game when Coach Mushamp called the double team on Crabtree and yet they didn't execute the double team? Yet we're mad at Blake Gideon for just dropping an interception, which, you know, okay, it happens. I don't get that. I don't understand. As a football guy, I don't get that. You don't be mad at people for making bad plays. You got to be mad at them for making – that was a bad play. Rod, I think it – That was a play in Gideon's. Rod, I think it's when it happened. I think it's the timing. The moment. The moment. The thing, the stuff that was on the line. One of your PBUs against OU one year, maybe not the same volume as – you intercept this. Texas remains number one. That they go, they do everything they want to do. They probably play for the national championship. Everything in the world is roses. That I think that's the part of a little bit of it. It was the magnitude of how I, he dropped it. I agree. I know I dropped my din- TV dinner everywhere. I agree with you, Justin. You're right. Trust me, Robbie never played in games that big. But my point. Oh is, no, you know you did. I'm talking about just that moment was huge. I know, but why not? Be upset with Earl Thomas and Curtis Brown too. They're I'm more not, upset for Earl Thomas off the field. <laughs> That's what I'm like. I don't. I don't get why they're upset with my man Blake. I'm gonna take a listen. I'm a number twenty-one. My man Blake Gideon, number twenty-one. There you I'm go. Gonna, there you I'm gonna go. give you a Blake Gideon stat. He has started more games than any DB in DBU history. Years. That means something. Yeah, Longwood fans. That way, he's some kind of scrub. You know what I mean? Like he is like I'm sorry. Like I, I think there's some Blake getting hatred out there. Some of this because he's a white safety. I know how y'all feel about white safeties, man. Y'all feel great. I know I'm a white safety. safety. I know. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm taking up for my white safeties, but I got to do it. Okay, I got to do it. Because every time we got a white safety, they get they get picked on by their own little hood fans. Okay, <laughs> watch, watch that little bit. Watch, you know what I mean? Watch it. All the time we get to, and by the way, there's some of the most accomplished safeties to do. Like, trust me, if you're a white safety, you've been through it. You ain't took you, it was hard to get that spot. <laughs> man, it was hard you to start ear holing people. <laughs> right? Oh no, Ashton Holland. Come on, man. Hey, if if oh. you watched the last 10 minutes in this conversation and Drew Kelson weighing in, what Rod put out there, and Justin, and all this talk, if you haven't already hit like on that uh, screen, you need to and subscribe if you haven't, because this is good oh, stuff. Man. So we're we're uh, having some fun here. We really appreciate uh, you folks uh, commenting, and we got a lot of comments. So we also have some uh, more Super Chats. So, Matthew, I'll let you just go ahead and drive me uh, to one of those. We'll put, put which one uh, up that you'd like to do so. So Rocky Poor. So we got the blue, number 23 in the backfield. We hear a lot about his speed and his hands. Um why not move into the slot next year? Um, I'll let the football experts do that. Now, we have guys that are allegedly in that position. Uh, we also have a Keelan Robinson, supposed to have a running back receiver type guy that maybe Blue was going to fit into, although we don't see Keelan doing a whole lot of that. So what are we going to do with uh, Jaden Blue moving forward? 
Um, I will say they that Sark does, he likes to play the pony packages. Uh, he doesn't do it as much, and he's actually started using that with that diamond 31 personnel package. He broke it out one time versus Iowa State. Uh, when he had Bijan and Rose, though, he used a lot of that mm-hmm. pony package. The 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end, except with two tailbacks. I wouldn't doubt if he likes his running back role that he'd do it again. The injury to Jonathan Brooks, I think, hurt some of those plans. Because I think when he was waiting on Cedric Baxter to round in the form, get over some of the injuries, which he is now. Um, but he was all Jonathan Brooks was ascending, you know, becoming a dope Walker Award finalist. And he was going to start using more of the pony package. And I think that was derailed a little bit. So um, Jaden Blue is a slot. I don't know if Sark operates that way with his slot receivers being those kind of guys. You know Justin better than me. Isn't he recruiting specific players for roles like that? Yes. No, Jaden Blue, just because you have the potential to play slot doesn't necessarily mean you need to play slot. Blue mm-hmm. has actually shown his value in the last three weeks more so at running back than anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. And, and they're trusting him more, which is giving him more confidence. If there was anybody that came in in that class that needed that, it was Jaden Blue. And yep. so he's made big strides. And I think running back, Coach Tashar Choice really likes this kid. They, they, they're starting to give him more responsibility, you know. And, and he's got great hands. That's, the, that's what's ideal. But don't forget Jonte Cook, DeAndre Moore, mm-hmm. Ryan Niblett. And they've got more guys coming. Ryan Wingo can play outside and inside. Uh, the slot position is going to be pretty much full. And, and I think that keeps Jaden Blue at running back where I feel like that's where he's maximized right now anyway. Yeah, good points. And uh, DeAndre Moore, you'll see on the bench, he sits next to Jordan Whittington. So he hears all the conversations that Chris Jackson has with JW uh, in between uh, possessions. So let's uh, look here. We got uh, Michael Dutton. And uh, by the way, thank you for the super chat, uh, the last question there. Uh, Michael Absolutely. Dutton with uh, 999. Rod, what tendency does Tech break? He says he doesn't. Oh, well, how about this? He, they got their version of Brooks, but he doesn't think they're going to lean on their run game. What new scheme would you be looking for? Or do you think they're going to go with Taj Brooks? What uh, are you agree <laughs> with Michael Dutton? I think they're going to try to pummel us with the big guy, even though we're great at the run defense. What do you think, Rod? No, that's a, that's a great question, Michael. It really is. I mean, honestly, that is probably the main like, question I have about the matchup between Texas and Texas Tech is what Texas Tech offense are, is Texas going to be presented with, right? Because they have morphed into this power run game in the last six games, which is so weird. Because we all know Tech, they probably haven't run this much since. Honestly, remember when Tuberville took over there for a while and they got away mm-hmm. from the air raid when Tuberville was there? This might be the most they run since Tuberville was the head coach. Usually they, they run as a complement to the air raid offense in the passing game. That is not the case. Now, I don't, I don't think they are running because they want that to be the new identity of the offense and the program. I think they're running out of necessity. I always say football. Exactly right. Football and life are constant struggles, deciding between what you want to be and what you need to be in order to survive. We all want to be something, but hey man, we all need to be something to pay the bills. And what they need to be in order to get some wins is the the, the brand of football they're playing right now, where they run the football, it's a little bit more conservative, uh, it's low risk, low reward. But the other brand of football ball is control, 
Yes, exactly. Right. And they, it helps out their defense. It's more of a complimentary exactly. the football. But this is my thing. This is what Michael's been doing. And I totally agree with Michael here, guys. Because Taj Boyd is Taj Brooks, excuse me. Taj Brooks. Uh, I keep saying that. Taj Brooks, he's legit. He's the real deal, man. Averaging almost five and a half yards per carry. Uh hell, he might end up first team all big 12 before it's all said and done. I mean, he's legit. Uh, but they man, I think they're gonna switch it up and I think they're gonna revert back to old school air raid against Texas. Um, especially considering how the how stout Texas rush defense has been and currently is, right? You saw them hold K State's probably the best rushing team in the Big 12, duo dual threat quarterbacks, holding their lowest rushing output since 2014. Hell, Iowa State only got nine yards rushing. And if you don't have a dual threat quarterback, a quarterback that can move around, you don't even really stand the chance. Our reason Oklahoma was able to run the football is because Dylan Gabriel had an unprecedented performance uh, in terms of him uh, being a running threat on the ground. So they don't really have that. Baron Morton, maybe he could do some quarterback draw, but that's not really his game either. I think they're going to go tempo. My man Ian Boyd talked about this on Football Theory, uh, which should be posted up tomorrow. But I think they're going to go tempo because you got to wear out them, yeah, them D-tackles. And you got to pass to open up the run. And you you wear out them D-tackles by making them making them work a little bit. All right. Yeah, they get to penetrate and they get to wreak havoc, but let's let's make them, you know, run run down the field. Let's let's make them work tempo. That's what Oklahoma did. Now you're not gonna see the benefits of that in the first quarter, but by the fourth quarter, if you're still in the game and Texas gotta play them big D tackles, that's when the pass rush starts to wane a little bit. So I think you're gonna see that from them. I think they're gonna pass to open up the run. Texas is susceptible to teams throwing the football, being passed first. We know that. Even with teams who don't like to pass, like um, uh, K-State and Iowa State. They're forcing them to pass. Yes, because they're they're being, making it one-dimensional. I think they're going to come out throwing the football, even though they've rushed it 40, at least 40 times in four of the last six games. The way to beat Texas, we all know this, you throw the football, you run inside breaking routes, preferably some slants. <laughs> Lots of those. Targets a bunch formation. Screen game works a little bit versus Texas. And uh, honestly, that's about it. I mean, you got quarterback run game, but they don't have that. There are not a lot of things that are going to work really well against Texas. And I think for, for Tech to have success, they got to they gotta throw the football. Hey, Lane Seawright has a super chat that's the most closely related at this point to the conversation we're uh, having at this moment. Now, Texas Homer, who does a good job on YouTube, uh, he noted that Texas Tech was first in the nation for plays per game last year, and they are still 14th this year, so still in the uh, top 15. How do they manage to run so many plays while also using uh, the big fella Taj books so heavily? Rod, um, can you give us any uh, perspective on on this question from Lane? Uh, just running up tempo. Tempo. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. tempo. I mean, that's and that, like I said that can neutralize the Texas pass rush. It worked really you can't well. Can't snub either. Ding, 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 ding. So exactly. Oh, to Justin's point, when you get those wholesale rotations by Texas and you see a a matchup you like, whether on the front or in the pass coverage, then you go almost two-minute drill. You go lightning speed because you want to manipulate those matchups. Hell, when you get Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy off the field together, oh, hell yeah. Let's Let's go. That's our chance. Not nothing against Alfred Collins and Vernon Bryant. They're awesome, but you got to admit it's a bit of a relief not to have to block Byron Murphy and Alfred, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat at the same time. More super chats, and uh, well, we're very grateful for what we've got going on here. Uh, Parker Livingstone, uh, the receiver from Lovejoy, uh, had an injury uh, early on. Was in the 
well, I know Justin uh, Wells doesn't like to talk about what's going on with uh, uh, Parker. So we'll let uh, Justin Wells reveal what he wants to reveal on what's going on with that young man. But uh, in the recruiting breakdown, you mentioned he's getting healthy and should be ready for the spring. Uh, do you see him having an impact uh, next year? What do you think, Justin? You know, for Parker, that's a good question, Justin. And thank you so much again for the super chat. You're 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 such you're clutch, man. Every Wednesday night, man, you come through. Uh, and so we we always appreciate that, JY. Um, to answer your question, yeah, Livingstone's getting better. You know, he's a guy that I wouldn't be surprised if popped into a playoff game if Lovejoy makes a long enough run. You know, he's been rehabbing. He's been doing really well. This is the first time he'd ever suffered an injury and missed any sort of game uh, since he'd been in high school. And so it was – It was this was big time for him. And so uh, coming into the spring, how much of an opportunity means how, you know, it, it's going to all be determined how he plays this spring, how he looks. Uh, there's going to be – there's going to be some reps to be taken. Listen, Xavier Worthy's probably going in the second round. A.D. Mitchell's probably going in the second round. Uh, Jordan Whittington's probably finally going to wind up going not playing receiver at Texas anymore. I'm, I'm not sure if he has <laughs> any more eligibility. I'll have to double check that because you never know with Whittington. They may, they may make up eligibility just to keep him around. <laughs> um, but there's just there's going to be plenty of opportunities, especially on the outside, and that's what Parker gives you. He is your quintessential six foot three and a half, six foot four, two hundred five pound, can gallop like a deer, run to the run those verts to the outside, while also having great athleticism, high point ability, and soft hands. You know the base. He's a big, big time baseball talent, and I think that's translated into a lot of his his functionality, hand and eye coordination. Parker's special, okay, and he's really underrated. And I, I hate that for him, but I think he's a kid. You give him a good spring, and I think he would definitely uh, try to jump into the mix for some rotation next year. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff going on at wide receiver next year. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in an outside vertical guy from the portal. Don't be shocked. It doesn't. It's not a ding on any of the development or, or what they have in the room now. It's about maximizing what they can going into the SEC next year, where it will be a premium to, to, to utilize the depth that they've been able to do with the portal here in the last two seasons. Yeah, the interesting thing about Sarkin receiver is he likes his guys, and it's a tight, tight mm -hmm. rotation. Like it's it, it it you can barely call it a rotation. You if you're the fourth receiver in Sark's like uh kind of circle of trust of receivers, you may barely track there. Maybe if you if you got like the Bama of four first round receivers, then you all you can play all those guys. But here at Texas, it's been the top three that have played most of the time, and he doesn't really deviate and he doesn't rotate. So you gotta you go you want you want to be in that circle of trust with his mm -hmm. receivers. And I wonder if you'll expand that next season, Justin, just because he doesn't have his Xavier Worthy, his, mm -hmm. he doesn't have his JT Sanders, Jay Witt, even Jay Witt's outside of that that circle of trust mm -hmm. in terms of I, the targets. Rod, I think it's a trust thing. I think if they if he had it, uh, and it, I don't think it's anything against the guys this year. Like yeah. I think you just you have to get to a certain point with him to where okay, I do feel good. Like when 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 Worthy went out in the last game. Who, who popped right back in? Jonte, you know, and hit stride. That was a trust. You Him doing that is going to be why we see Jonte Cook catch a touchdown in the Big 12 championship in two weeks. Okay. Him doing that is why we're going to see a trickle down of, of, of the trust with those guys. Honestly, Rod, I think that's what it is. I don't think it – I don't – 
sometimes I felt like he has a short bench, like he's the the, the, the basketball coach from Hoosiers. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to mm-hmm. be a short bench. I got four, really. All right, <laughs> have it your way. You know what I mean? It's a, with Sark. I don't know if he's that rigid, but you're right. Yeah. Like the, those receivers have to have a level of trust, and it's also with the quarterback. You know, yours and, and Adonai Mitchell got crossed on that first drive against Oklahoma. If Mitchell just takes the, the one step differently inside, that interception does not happen. And it, it affected him over the next few drives on some of those plays to that side. And so I think that trust for Sark, it's 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 also uh it's manifested with, with Milwee and, and with the and with the quarterback play as well. Hey, uh, back to Parker Livingstone. If uh, I don't know if it was week zero or week one, but if you can go back and find the, the highlights Ooh, uh, bring that first game of the year, he I went off. Him. He had about as good a game as a high school receiver I've yeah. ever seen. He dominant in, re- in returning kicks, too. The kid did it all. Dude. So he was surprised he had, everybody. So, he, he went crazy. Yeah. He went like over 300-something, 50 total yards. Yeah. It, it, it was crazy, that. man. Hey, UT he boy asked, so potential. <laughs> You'll like this. UT boy asks, who's Jonte? Uh, yeah we, we know you know who he is there youtube boy thank you so much for always being thank on you the brother thank you youtube boy we appreciate that buddy contributing you're a great uh, poster and member of the community photos ready to make a run yeah uh we have the uh good question from uh my man horny for mullets i'm, I'm more comfortable saying it now too so horny for <laughs> mullets uh with a super chat so, uh, good question, and probably has uh, something to this, right? Have the injuries to uh, Brooks and Ewers forced Coach Sarkeesian to get more creative? What do you think? Oh, that is good. Um, possibly. It's because, uh, I, you know, the, the, the second half of that Iowa State game was, I, I think, one of the most impressive play calls oh. by Sark. It really the first was. First drive of the second oh. half. First drive was amazing, and was I'm not sure. Best, you know, best drive of the season. You, yeah, you could honestly, you could make that argument, Justin. You really could, man. It was like I said. I, I I've always, I've been critical of Sark saying he needs to be better winning the chess match within the game. He's amazing at game planning preparation, but when the adjustments happen, that chess match, he needs to become a chess master. And he wasn't always a chess master. There were times where he got outcoached in the second half of games. He let, uh, you know, he couldn't he could make proper adjustments in this game versus John Haycock, one of the founding fathers of that three high, three down defense, right? Yeah. Teams, coordinators come from all over the country, from power five programs, from the NFL, just to, to Ames, to, to Ames, to study that three high, three down defense and pick John Haycock's brain about it, right? And we already know, I've given you the stats, Sark's offense is less effective, less explosive, less efficient versus the three high, three down. And in the first half, it looked like, uh-oh, okay, here we go again. Sark's offense, especially without Jonathan Brooks, we may have some of the same thing. And by the way, Cedric Baxter actually was running the football pretty well in the first half. But here's, here's what happened. Here's what I observed. Quinn was struggling a little bit, working his way through progressions. You had four sacks in that first half, right? He was struggling working his way through progressions. Two of those sacks even came on empty formations. Guys, empty formations. I've been studying at the NFL level and here in Texas. Sack rates drop out of empty formation because the ball is coming out so damn quick. Nobody can really get to yes. it. Ball was supposed to come out quick. The ball wasn't coming out quick, Justin. He was holding on to the ball. He was. He was. He was yeah, he was, holding, he, was, he was actually becoming a bit erratic. He was, in the pocket. 
Yes. And an empty formation. I know Sarkis dialed it up where, all right, once you find the matchup, boom, let's go. Ball's supposed to be out. And we know that Quinn is a first window, first read thrower. That's when he's at his best. Sark's offenses are designed that way. Matt Jones, when they had their national title run in Alabama when he was the offensive coordinator, he ran to his second read less than 15% of the time, right? So he's not even going. That's, that's ideally how Sark's offenses work. So yeah. for, for Quinn in the first half, he's going deep into progressions, which obviously makes him erratic, and then he holds onto the ball too long, and then he gets sacked. So in the second half, go look at the plays where they score on and some of their biggest chunk yards plays in the, in the passing game in the second half. Guys, there was no progressions. There was no progression read at all. They were predetermined first read wide window throws. And what I mean by that is predetermined when, when Jay Witt does the stock block and go, there's no read. There's no progression there. You know it's going to be Jay Witt. Sark's just scheming him open. He schemed him open with the stock block and go, and then, boom, all Quinn's got to do is carry out the play fake and deliver the football with accuracy, which we know Quinn could do all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Same yeah. thing with the Gunner Helm play, right? It was a drag wheel route, schemed open, but a predetermined throw. No, no need to go through a progression. We ain't worried about that anymore. Predetermined, wide window, first read throw for our mm. quarterback, and boom, where was it? On the money, and it was mm. accurate. He had a few of those. That was another 19-yard gain out of empty formation for uh for him and X-Man, where X-Man hesitates on the drag route to to really throw off the uh the, the defensive coverage because if he if he stopped they were gonna match it. If he dragged they were gonna pass him off in coverage. So he basically did both. And and he confused the uh defensive second level defenders, got a 19 yard gain on a drag route that they had been defending pretty well in the first half because they made adjustments, but that was one adjust a counter by Texas. There were four or five plays like that in the second half, meticulously dialed up and schemed up by Sark. And I, to me, like I said, I thought it was brilliant, man. It was on his, on, considering the circumstances, it was one of the most brilliant play calling performances I've seen from Sark. That's encouraging to see as well. Hey, yeah. Travis Earl has a super chat. Uh, back a little bit, maybe in the, well, of course, Rod, you're a DB, so you can maybe comment on this as well. But uh, Phil Same starts at star. Uh, where would uh, Gilbo play? Also, I'm assuming is this Warren Roberson? Is that who he's talking about? Or uh, John yeah. McDonald started yeah. safety. So uh, future uh, young folks in our defensive backfield, where do you see them lining up uh, in the future? What, how can we help Travis feel comfortable about uh, our status in the defensive backfield moving forward? Phil Sum is going to play safety. Jalen Gilbo is probably your starting star going into spring ball. Uh, Warren Roberson might be your backup star going into spring ball. And I think there might be an internal battle for Jelani McDonald this spring. I think they're going through their rosters uh, for, for next year, looking at the portal, who's who's potentially going to leave, who's potentially going to come in. And I think they are battling for Jelani McDonald as we speak. Their Choate wants him at linebacker. Gideon wants him at safety. And, and Joseph wants him at corner. And the truth is he can play at all three. <laughs> wow. Um, so I, I think that's kind of right now, I, I feel like McDonald's going to be a safety going into the spring. But it'll be interesting to see. I think the numbers might dictate or depth. It might dictate where he winds up going because he's that versatile and he's that special. Damn, that's crazy, man. That's yeah. wild. Hey, we, we talk about culture a lot. And I, I like to watch the uh, Longhorn uh, post game show on Longhorn Network. 
I try to flip over as soon as the game's over and I can see some things that you don't see on the network broadcast. And so they often show the eyes. And the kids who are celebrating the most are Jelani McDonald and Trey Wisner and Billy Walton. So they're, you know, all know each other from back in the day. And these kids, even though they're not seeing a lot of uh, action, you know, uh, on defense or running back for Wisner's case, uh, they're happy. You know, these guys are they're digging it, being part of the team and contributing on special teams. So I'm, I love seeing these guys who are pretty well thought of uh, recruits, even though they're not maybe getting the, uh, you know, time uh, on the field that they, they would want or maybe expect some other programs still feel like they're contributing and are uh, loving being part of the program. So that's really encouraging when I see those guys uh, uh, dancing and having a good time. Winning is uh, fun. Yeah, let's see what we got. Daniel, understand Daniel, something Daniel, real quick. Wisner sure. and McDonald played sports together since they were kids. Yeah, they both, they both went to Waco Connolly, both being coached in a great program. There's great coaches over there, football, basketball, top to bottom, a lot of good guys. And that's actually, they've helped out with the Kobe Black recruitment, you know, kind of telling him about telling, you know, what it's like to go to live in Austin and play there. And so I like using those examples because they bought in on a special teams perspective. And to yeah. me, that's that's huge. I remember when Chris Boyd and that 2015 class came in and those mm-hmm. freshmen all bought in on special teams before they actually had a chance to, to play in the secondary. And they absolutely lit people up that year. You know, it wasn't a great season, but but they met those freshmen made a lot of plays. And it was because they bought in on special teams. And that usually comes to fruition two or three years later. Yeah. And Billy Walton's related to somebody, isn't he? Do you remember the uh, connection there? I think Billy's related to something. Oh, Malik Muhammad. Uh, is it Malik Muhammad? I'm sorry, I put you on the spot. I'll I'll look say, it up later. UT boy says he's Malik Muhammad's cousin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so I guess I guess I guess right. Yeah. Well, UT boy's fast on those fingers there. <laughs> hey, Daniel had that super chat that Matthew put up uh, briefly. Though surprise breakout player. We've got one game left in the regular season. Oh. Um, I might make you guys not say Jonathan Brooks just to make sure I'm trying to make it a little more interesting for you. But uh, I don't know that he would be your choice anyway. But what have we got? Who's your breakout player? Does it, does it count to have a – I mean, can Tavondre Sweat be sound as a breakout player? Just The only reason I would well, expected this, did they? Exactly, right? The only reason I would say is like, yeah, we expect him to be a guy that ends up getting drafted. But, dude, right now he's, he's great. <laughs> he's out a high school conversation. Yeah. He's the best deep tackle in the country. He's the best defensive player on the team right now, and he's been just dominant. So I'm, it's hard not to say him. You know, he's made sixty million dollars over the last six months. I, I'm I'm going sweat, man. I did not expect this, bro. I, I nobody saw this coming. Uh, my surprise player, breakout player. I should have been thinking of one while you were talking, Rod, but I was so. Oh, can I say? Can I? Can I tell a story real quick while you think of one? Yeah, Broughton's good. Broughton's okay. good. Did you guys hear Alex Okafor does a a podcast called yes. uh, Behind the Face Mask? Mm-hmm. Did you hear Tavondre Sweat's confession on the show? Yeah. So apparently, everybody knows the famous Bo Davis rant. For those who had heard the story, and yeah. Tavondre Sweat confessed that he was the player laughing on the bus that sat on <laughs> Bo Davis. <laughs> he Man. said it was him. He said they were, they were cracking jokes in the back, and somebody cracked the joke, and he said he couldn't help it. It was so funny. He laughed out loud. Bo Davis heard the laugh from the back of the bus, 
got up, started ranting. Somebody started videoing it. And obviously, we know the rest is history. And he said, after Bo Davis got done ranting, he turned around and said, yeah, man, y'all shut up all that noise. Y'all need to focus. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I love it. Awesome. Let's try to keep it. Okay. One, I got to transcribe that rant for a story that we did at Inside Texas a couple of years ago. And I have that that's that's unique. I have wow. never had to try to put piece that thing together. How long was it when you transcribed it? How long did oh, it end man. up being? Um a couple of pages of it? A couple minutes, but it, I mean it wound up being I don't know, wow. 200 words. Wow. And about and like eight or nine of them were the same word. <laughs> and so it was unique. You, you really got to check that out at InsideTexas.com. We do a great job. You should come hang out. It's a great community. Um, but no, that, that that I like that about sweat. I like that. Um, <laughs> it's just interesting. You know, that rant, you know, you, you really want to have some fun on this thing. I can tell you who filmed that. <laughs> but, oh, we're, but, we're gonna, yeah, but we're not going to do that to, to, to that young man. Not, not, not tonight. Maybe they can All tune right. in, tune in next week. But um, I will say this, you know, Sweat's a good one. I really, I like Sweat just because he has ascended. And I think that's mm -hmm. shown other players. You can do the exact same thing, yep. which I think could really benefit Texas potentially next year. Um, I want to give Quinn Ewers really a tip of the cap because before a couple picks against OU, the guy was flawless. The, the guy had really played, stepped his game up at quarterback, learned, gotten better shape. Uh, got fine-tuned his mechanics, which to me is where he gets sloppy, is when he gets lazy because he can flick the thing so flipping easy that sometimes he relies on it too much, and, and you got to remind him that that's not always the best throw. Um, but I, I hate the injury, but, guys, it's Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks mm -hmm. wasn't even the starter going into yeah. this season. Cedric Baxter, the five-star out of Edgewater, Florida, came in took his job, you know, enrolled early, worked hard. All Brooks did was rehab, get get a little bit more healthy coming off that Alamo Bowl. People don't realize he was injured last year. Get a little bit more healthy. It took him a little while into the spring. Didn't see a lot of that. Didn't see a lot of him. And it gave Baxter the opportunity to really climb up the, the chart. And Brooks came back in the summer determined. Brooks mm -hmm. came back like, look, once I get my carries, I'm going to be the guy. And that injury was just – that shows you the testament of the Texas team this year is the yeah. fact they lost Brooks, who was basically the spark plug to begin this whole thing, and they've mm -hmm. still been able to maintain that emotional support. And as Rod can attest, that's what builds up over the months and over this over a season. It's that keeping that drive that last month where you can see the goal, that you can see the 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 the, the line at the end of the tunnel. Yep. Let's just briefly get a Kyle Witherspoon's uh, super chat up because he talks about sweat. He thinks he can eat two uh, turkeys by himself, so he's wondering what they do. I think the <laughs> Sarkeesian said that – I think they did, they did Thanksgiving today. They, they do a Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, oh, they did today, and then they were allowing uh, the team uh, – if they have family members that are in town – Right. Spend tomorrow with them. That's what nice. Sarkeesian said, Kyle. That's so, cool. but Yeah, uh, I bet the Tavondrick is been... damaged on a bird. Sweat would have been ideal for the John Madden post-game turkey leg thing. Oh, yeah. 
If Devondre's because I mean you can hear John Madden right now, you know. Oh, I love I love sweat down there. He you know he's down there, he's 375 pounds, and boom, he just hit people, and then he went back, you know, and then he would give him that turkey. He's like, I like guys like that. To me, that's what makes me think of Thanksgiving. John Madden's up in heaven doing his play, playing his video on video game, you know, like a boss. <laughs> and thinking, man, Devontae Sweat makes my all Madden team 2023. That's a great yeah. point. Madden loves Devontae Sweat kind of players. He did. <laughs> he big uglies, man. He only recently got to heaven, Justin, because he had to go by bus. Yeah. <laughs> he hated flying, okay. man. That was good. That's good stuff. Not right. Okay, well right. done there. Youngsters uh, might, might not even get the joke. It was so good. Hey, Daniel Kenneman again. This guy's uh, killing it. How excited are we that uh, AM's back on Thanksgiving weekend? That's just Ooh, buddy, I am. that's just tradition, right? Can't wait. I, I was pissed when they didn't, or I was upset when they didn't have it. Like I, <laughs> I've been one of those that both sides are petty, both sides need yeah. to end it, and now it's coming back. And I want to hear Rod and your and, and your take on it, Ray, because you covered it and you saw it for years. I grew up in a Texas, Texas AM family. That game was Thanksgiving. It was, and I'm so thankful it's coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm with you. I'm glad it's back. I think actually for the first time in a long time, the first year it's rekindled next season, it'll be bigger than the Texas-Oklahoma game. And it's rare that a Texas-Texas A&M game is bigger than Texas-OU. I yeah. think next year it will be. It's possible. For next next year, year it will. For at least yeah. next year. Yeah, at least that. It's for that one year. Now, yeah. if A&M's you know, elite and Texas elite, then – Bam, we could be talking about it, but exactly that rivalry, and the reason that rivalry is so unique, you know, they've been playing what they played 118 times, something crazy like that. I forgot it's some ridiculous number that yeah. Texas Texas have played. Only once in the history of that rivalry have both teams ended the season with double digit wins. Hmm. Once. And I think for what it tells me is that's why the paranoia when you have the Texas Cold War between Texas and Texas AM. No, neither side believes basically that they can have success while the other also enjoys success. Hmm. That they, they believe their success must be at the expense of the other. Like that Texas, if Texas is balling, it's got to be because AM and is, is is doing bad. All right. They're, they, they've hit, you know, kind of a, a downward spiral. Uh, and it was doing good. That must be something's wrong with Texas. And usually if you're in the same conference, that is the case. If you're not in the same conference, it actually can be accomplished. But that's the root of the paranoia between Texas and Texas A&M. They both cannot succeed simultaneously. And maybe it's true in the same conference. Maybe it is true. Mm-hmm. Well, and my only comment is that back when I was in school, I mean, you always had to make that uh, special effort to, to get back to Austin for the game. So, you you know, and we've mentioned it before, Justin, I'm from Tyler where you currently live. And so I would head back there on highway 31 back when it was just two lanes and I get there and I have a, you know, lunch with uh, the family and then uh, get back and make sure I was there in my seat uh, next to some Aggie on a Friday. <laughs> hey, that's, you know, a good chunk of my family is it was from A&M. They went to A&M. Yeah. Holidays were hell. Like, I'm not even going to tell you. 80s, they were okay. 90s, they were okay. Late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, man. Yeah. There's rubble. Is that so dog? We had the question earlier. I'm glad Matthew brought it up. Justin, you got where's that your dog, dog in you? He's got that dog. Look at him. He's got that dog. Uh, that's, that's, HP that's, Fishing. 
Yes, his name is Rubble, and he is a four-year-old English bulldog. And he's no coming problem. up here right now because he's thirsty. And so oh, this right. is his way of it saying, hey, man, what's up on that water? <laughs> you can't put too much down there because they will drink the entire bit of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's not good for them. No. Hey, My good Rocky Four has a super chat. I don't think we have very many in the queue here. So if you want to get your super chat in, Thank you, Rocky. you need to do that. We've got about 10 minutes left in the show. So please, uh, we have room for a few more. But uh, Rocky Poor, uh, with the uh, generous uh, donation there, we, we're very grateful for that. Thanks, guys, Thank for you, all your hard work. Uh, Justin, any legacy Longhorns coming in the next few years that we should be on the lookout for? Happy uh, Turkey Day. So now, Rod, your daughter is too young <laughs> to be in plus. Uh, hey. She may play volleyball, basketball. Yeah. Maybe, few years, then, but... maybe, maybe uh, we'll have uh, females yeah. playing football for us back you know, in the future. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen. But a golf club. I, in I, a keep, I keep waiting for Vincent Paul Young the third to show up. Come on, so, now. My fingers, yeah. my fingers are crossed. So, uh, yeah. well, we, any uh, guys that have uh, had kids who might be players? Any knowledge of anything like that? Yes, yes. So, in this 2024 cycle, Alex January out of Duncanville, his dad Mike January was a linebacker for Texas, uh, I believe, in the late, maybe early 90s early mid nineties, late eighties, early mid nineties, something like that. Um, uh, big time defensive tackle out of, out of Duncanville. Uh, Jermichael Finley has a son, a tight end. Um, I, think, I can't remember his name. He's, um, he's out of Alito 2026, I believe 2025 or 2026. He's pretty good. Um, Jalen Lott. Listen, man, James Lott's son. He's a receiver out of Lucas Lovejoy for 2026. He's probably a top five player in the state. For his Ooh. class for 2026, he is really good. Wow. And he could be special. And so, and I know Texas is going to be in the mix there really well. They've already, I believe, already offered and they're, they've been in that one. So, uh, off the top of my head, there's, I know those are the three I can think of. What's funny is, as long as I've done this, every year you come across those guys. Even if sometimes they don't pick Texas or Texas doesn't pursue them as much, you come across so many of those kids that are coming up now and, and it's and it's unique and so yeah right now those are the, the three that uh that have really come to mind i'm sure there's somebody major i'm forgetting but right 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 now that's that's what i've got uh todd lacy had a comment back at 727 matthew and sent our pool of uh comments to pull from and uh you know joey mcguire last year a big part of uh his strategy was just the hell with everything. Go for it on fourth down. Uh, you know, balls to the wall. Nothing uh, to lose. So Todd Lacey says he believes Joey will open the game or the second half with an onside kick. Has to get Texas on its heels right away. That's good. Thoughts on tech and special teams. And let's just expand the concept. Yeah, Joey's going to probably pull some crap, right? Just try to, you know, do something right. I mean, he's like, I guess they're bowl eligible. But, uh, yeah, I mean. You have to manufacture stuff for them to have success. Right. What do you, what do you think, Rob? What can we, I know you can't predict exactly what they're going to do, but you can kind of see them uh, trying to pull some shenanigans, right? Yep. I, I love that thought from Todd there too. Uh, Todd, I think it's a great point about the onside. They really have nothing to lose. This is a, it's one of those kitchen sink games, right? He's going to throw everything at Texas, including the kitchen sink. Why not throw out your exotics? You've been working on some trick plays. I'll yeah. you haven't used. Why not break it out? You're a huge underdog anyway, on the road. Um, you know, if you 
If you if you if you stay in the game, great. If you beat, you can get a moral victory out of it. If you beat Texas, you probably get a contract extension. Um, if you lose to Texas, everybody expects you to lose. So I don't. I'm, I'm with you. I think in this game, you can expect the best from Joey McGuire. We know he likes to roll the dice. Joe me the money. Yeah, you brought it up, Ray, last year. Six of eight on fourth downs. That actually led the country in fourth down attempts last season. 107 <laughs> plays on defense for Jaron Thompson. Ooh, yeah, exactly. They wore Texas out last year, too, just keeping them on the field. Dead, tired in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so I I'm with, I agree with Todd. They're going to throw a – I think they're going to see – you're going to see multiple exotics. What I mean by exotics are just unorthodox, obtuse plays, trick plays on special teams, offense. I think you're going to see a bunch of them. Hey, we're going to wrap up the show here in just a few minutes. But, uh, Justin, we're going to go to Russell Hinkle's question here, Matthew. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to please expand this, and I want you to be careful with the – and I know you're going to be careful, but we had the list of uh, players that are going to be showing up for senior day, and so there was a lot of consternation on the inside Texas boards and all the Texas boards, in fact, wondering about what does this mean? Is this guy coming back? I thought they were staying. What's going to happen? So Russell asked specifically about Alfred Collins returning. He sees what Sweat did. Could that work for AC as well? What can you tell us uh, delicately, if you wish, about what's uh, going on with uh, the players uh, as they look to their future? The team looks at the future of the t- kids on the roster. What can you tell us so we can make people sleep a little easier at night, perhaps? Well, if I remember correctly, last year, Jordan Whittington and Christian Jones walked on yep. senior day. And I believe they even asked Jones about it Monday. And during the, the the media availability, you know, and he's he said it's kind of embarrassing, which it shouldn't be, uh, but you know that he's going to walk twice. And so, um, all I can all I can say is I wouldn't be surprised if if there's a one or two guys on that list that wind up continuing to play football at Texas in 2024. They wind up coming back. That wouldn't surprise me. Alfred Collins is one of those guys. I think the NFL views him as a day three pick with day one, day two potential. And they always draft on potential, but he's he's one of those that we've seen some burst. We've seen some spark from Collins this year. He's got just an unbelievable uh, NFL tie. It reminds me of Greg Ellis. He's, I feel like he's an old-school, prototypical, strong-side defensive end. Um, he, he's just got so much of that upside. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, it, Collins could, could – I'll say this – the guys in that interior defense that are watching Tavondre Sweat make a ton of money and exposure coming back for one more year could influence others that aren't necessarily seniors, to be exact. There's some guys on that list that aren't actually seniors yet. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of those guys decided to stay put. And Alfred Collins is one of them that, that, that makes that list. Yeah. Love to see it. Thanks, everybody. Hey, it's the holidays. We got the Thanksgiving tomorrow. I don't know if you guys are want to share or not. What, what you got planned? Uh, Rod, you got your young family there. Can you share at all some of the things that you've got planned for this week? Oh, just got a lot of family coming in town. Uh, we're all getting together. Everybody's coming to see the baby. So we got a lot of folks. Probably, <laughs> probably 20, 25 people will be in town. Oh, my God. Uh, so we have a good time. Don't be crazy. Yeah. We're looking forward to it. Nice. What's happening? You you staying entirely there, <laughs> Justin? 
No, we're headed to a family, uh, a family lake house and, and eat them. And, and we're going to go hang out and spend time and eat good food, eat too much food, some bird, uh, probably some brisket, uh, some buttermilk pie. I'm big buttermilk pie guy. Uh, some green bean casserole, stacking on the mashed potatoes because I avoid them most of the time, you know, during the year. But it's the one time that I kind of gorge myself. Some of those Hawaiian sweet rolls, warm them up. It's life changing. Put some peanut butter in the middle of them in the middle of the night and man, it will change your life. Uh, and so I, I'm just looking forward to hanging out with my son. Uh, I get to pick him up in the morning and we're going to go have fun with the family, then come home for the Dallas Cowboys because that's a priority. And and we, that's how the rules are in this home. Yeah. I almost said the old uh, team name. I guess they got the commanders. No, the Redskins. There you go. You know, what's funny. I got to tell this here. Here's his book. So my son, he's in first grade and he is like soaking up all this stuff. He brings this book home from the library, big book of who football or whatever. And it shows a deal about it shows a, a stat about Art Monk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, those uniforms are awesome. I said, yeah, that's the Washington Redskins. He's like, who are those? I said, well, it's the commanders now. And, he's <laughs> like, and he said, man, that looks a lot cooler. That, that That's a lot cooler. And I said, buddy, don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. I said, the old, and then he looked at the old Chargers, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson. He's like, that navy blue, I like that better. The Buffalo Bills, he's like, the Jim Kelly, the red helmet, I like that better. I'm like, that <laughs> is my child. He's an old soul, man. Yeah. Uniform duty, and that is my child. He's an old soul. That's what that is. That's good stuff. Hey, fellas, thank you so much for always helping me on these uh, live uh, streams i really appreciate your patience with me and uh, letting the old tv guy hop on here and uh, be part of the team so it's been a, a lot of fun and I, I love helping drive the conversations and getting all the uh, questions and we integrate those into a pretty uh, cool conversation so we're uh, we're happy to do that i think they uh, come off pretty well so uh really grateful for that thankful for that is i guess the word i should use and uh, i appreciate it so Thank that'll do it for this edition of the uh, longhorn live stream on on Texas football, part of Inside Texas family. And uh, we're very grateful for your participation and watching us. And uh, happy holidays. Have a great uh, Thanksgiving tomorrow. Uh, watch that football all day. And then uh, we'll watch the uh, Longhorns uh, take care of the Red Raiders on a Friday night. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the show. For Rod Babers and Justin Wells, I'm Ray Peters. And as always, hook them. Hook them. <laughs>